From NPR and WNYC, live from the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, this is Ask Me Another. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, your host for this next hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Welcome to Puzzle Land, people. I hope you're as happy to be here as we are. Because coming up, we'll sing some songs you've heard on television, we'll find out that celebrities have evil twins in other countries, and we'll talk about how life isn't fair. We have some uplifting trivia coming your way. Believe me, it's going to be a great show. And to kick things off, let's welcome a man without equal, our one-man house band, Jonathan Colton. Hello, everybody. And here to help explain the games we're playing, keep score, as well as offer the occasional hint, it is our puzzle guru, John Chinesky. Hello, everyone. And I believe it's time to welcome our first two contestants, Eric Brown and Anna Chavla. Welcome to you both. Eric, you are into coffee science, is that correct? That is correct. Now, what is coffee science? I'm a barista, and I like the science that goes behind it, the temperatures of brewing, the ratios, everything like that. I love it. Burr grinder? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Conical burr. Well, as one. opposed to the pyramid burr? The just flat the... burr. Oh, I see. Okay, good. Uh, are you a cold brew person? Of course. Cold brew just sounds so wrong to me. It is hot coffee. No, it's cold coffee that you cold brew. And then make it hot later? No, keep it cold. It's always cold. You brew the coffee at the temperature you're going to drink it. Stop fighting. <laughs> Welcome, Eric. That is impertinent at all to what we're going to be playing. And are you a coffee drinker by any chance? Did you learn anything? I am, and I feel like having some now after all that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We got really into it. More importantly, are you a trivia fan? I am. Good, because our first game is coming to you right now. It's called Here's to You, Mr. Robinson. Jonathan, is this a game about the graduate's neighbor's husband? Uh, No. Uh, We did some polling of our audience, and uh, they told us that we needed to put in some more content for old people. So, this game is an homage to the 1930s actor Edward G. Robinson. (laughs) Old people, you're welcome. Young people, if you don't know who he is, he appeared in many gangster films, and he had a habit of ending his sentences with the word C, as in, this is a stick-up she. Thank you. (laughs) So, in this game, every answer will end in a C sound. John Chinesky, how about an example? Sure. If we said, in a series of commercials for Apple computers, John Hodgman played what office machine? You would say, PC. I love that now that they've understood, they are like half laughing and half angry. Yeah. (laughs) That's the appropriate response. And uh, while you don't have to answer in a gangster voice, anyone who doesn't is going to get a pop and a kisser, see? All right, contestants, ring in when you know the answer, and the winner will move on to the Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Despite its morbid name, it's a bad idea to dump a body in this lake that borders Israel and Jordan, as its incredibly high salinity would make it very difficult to sink it to the bottom. Anna. Dead she? See? (laughs) (laughs) That is correct. Dead Dead see? Yeah, exactly. Right. Terrible place for a dead body, but... Their skin will be nice and soft. That's the worst part about dead bodies. Their skin is terrible. I know. It's very dry. (laughs) Dead, dry skin. Edward G. Robinson played gangster Johnny Rocco in a 1948 film called Key Largo. If you drive just over 500 miles north-northwest from Key Largo, you'll reach this city, which happens to be the Sunshine State's capital. Anna. Tallahassee. 
say. <laughs> that's hard. A for effort, Anna. I am that's from right. New Jersey, but that's hard. <laughs> Called The Unofficial Spirit of Black America by Ebony Magazine in 2012. What brand of French cognac is popular enough to merit shout-outs in tracks by Tupac, Snoop Dogg, and dozens of other gangsta rappers? Eric. Hennessy. 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 All alcohols have very ambitious slogans, and Hennessy's uh, never stop, never settle, which is a lot of, a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're drinking booze. Yeah, when you're drinking Hennessy. Right. See, you wake up the next morning with, you've stopped and settled. Yeah. Right, right. You did a lot of At both. some point, definitely stop. <laughs> definitely should stop. In gangster speak, being sent up the river means going to prison. It would take a 4,000-mile boat ride starting in Shanghai and ending just short of the Himalayas to be sent all the way up this waterway, the longest river in Asia. Eric. The Yangtze. There hey. you go. This guy's getting good, sir. Yeah. Let's say a big-time Italian gangster wanted to confess his crimes to the Bishop of Rome, also known as the Pope. To do so, he'd have to go to the Pope's diocese, a special jurisdiction known as the Sancta Sedis in Latin, and what in English? Anna. The Holy See. There you go. That's right. After I get done with this snitch, holy don't see no more. <laughs> you would do very well in prison. Thank you. The second time I've been told that. All right, this is your last question. Tougher than any mob boss, this woman ruled over the House of Representatives from 2007 to 2011. Anna. Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you got it. John Chinesky, how did our contestants do? Well, it looks like Anna took that one, see? Anna, well done. We'll see you again at our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. to know a little bit about you for our files We'd like to help you learn help yourself Look around you, all you see are sympathetic eyes Stroll around the grounds until you feel at home And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson Jesus loves you more than you will know Whoa, whoa, whoa God bless you, please, Mrs. Robinson Heaven holds a place for those who pray Hey, hey, hey Hey, hey, hey Jonathan Colton Thank you On stage right now, we have Kim Roth and Ryan Hyde. Kim, do you ever have people telling you that you look like a certain celebrity? I've, I've had Kate Winslet twice, but I see it at not at all. Kate Winslet not twice? At all. I can kind of see that. No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Ryan, how about you? Have you been told anyone that you look um, like? Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> I know. It is striking. You can see it. Yeah, it's the eyes. So this game is called International Doppelgangers. 
So there are plenty of celebrities who are known throughout the world, but you might be surprised to learn that some countries have their own versions of these well-known personalities. Puzzle guru John Chinesky, how about an example? Did you know that in Buenos Aires, there's a very funny actress and writer who had a hit TV show called Trenta Rock? Her name's Argentina Fay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Stick with me, contestants. I'm walking you through this. So in this game, you're going to combine the name of a country with the name of a celebrity. Okay? And the big hint here is that the country is always going to go first. Like Burkino Faso Fear Eisenberg. See? Easy. <laughs> and the last name will always be the celebrity's last name unchanged. Our radio audience can't see it, but these contestants look very confident. Right <laughs> <laughs> Let's play. To be or not to be a porn star, asked this actor in his breakout role in Boogie Scandinavian Nights. You can do it. We'll talk it through together. Kim. Denmark Wahlberg. Exactly correct. Denmark Wahlberg. All right. This celebrity lookalike hails from the Andes Mountain and is a real drag queen. Kim. Peru Paul. Peru Paul. Peru Paul. All right, I was trying to come up with what Peru Paul's imaginary catchphrase would be. What do you think of Machu Peach too much? No? How about at the end of Drag Race in Peru Paul, he would be, I'm sorry, you have to go alpaca your bags. No? I only have 40 more. <laughs> This actor has portrayed everyone from Oscar Schindler to a Jedi Knight and can trace his lineage all the way back to Genghis Khan. He's in Ulaanbaatar, somewhere between Russia and China. Kim. Mongolian Nisid? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> This pop diva from a four-letter Central African nation was proud that her British doppelganger was rolling in the deep. The, the nation sort of sounds like a man's name, four-letter man's name. Rolling in the deep. Rolling in the deep. <laughs> Ryan. Chad Dow. Chad Dow. You got it. This is your last clue. Okay. I know. I know. Get excited. You've got a friend in this Persian songster who is also a favorite of his nation's short people. Persian songster. He wrote a lot of movie songs. <laughs> that is a darn good hint. Toy Story 3. That's not how the songs go. It's Kim. I Randy Newman. I Randy Newman is right. John Chinesky, how did our contestants do? You know, they scored some decent points, there I gotta say, points. but Kim did better. Kim wins the game. Way to go, Kim. Huge round of applause for that super hard game. And Kim, we will see you at our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show.
Coming up, our VIP, that's very important puzzler, is author Tom Ruprecht. Now, Tom was a longtime writer on The Late Show with David Letterman, but now he's writing totally made-up histories of famous people. In his latest book, he writes about what J.D. Salinger was really up to all those years as a recluse. Stick around. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is NPR's Ask Me Another. You're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg. Coming up, we'll meet some characters in search of their author. Plus, we'll put the writer Tom Ruprecht in the puzzle hot seat. But let's welcome our next two contestants, Ben Kopish and Dominic Clark. Hi there. <laughs> Hi. What I do know about both of you is that you're both television junkies. That's correct, yeah. Okay, so Ben, what's the last series you binge-watched? They're about six at a time. Really? But yeah. <laughs> um, my girlfriend and I recently caught up on Breaking Bad. I was all caught up, but I rewatched it with her. I understand. I'm, the, I'm that. That's yeah. very sweet. Exactly. Yeah. Dominic, how about you? Orange is the new black. Orange is the new black. Yeah. Brilliant. This game is called Idiot Jutebox. It's a music game, sort of, I take it. Right, yes. Jonathan? Yes, that's right. I'm going to sing a few tunes that have famously appeared on television shows but were not the theme songs to those shows. These are songs that were performed by characters on the program. All you have to do is tell us the name of the show. For example... I think I love you, so what am I so afraid of? I'm afraid that I'm not sure of a love there is no cure for. Of course, that was I Think I Love You, performed by David Cassidy on the sitcom The Partridge Family. So ring in when you know the TV show... <laughs> Yes? I'm a big Cassidy fan. Oh, so. who isn't? Do that one again and I'll get it right. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that would be unfair. <laughs> so just ring in when you know the TV show that spawned each song. The winner of this round will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Ready? Smelly cat, smelly cat, what are they feeding you? Smelly cat, smelly cat. It's not your fault. Ben. Friends. Friends is correct. I feel like both of you thought that was a softball. You're both like, really? It's just a little warm-up question, that's all. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the lavatory. Wednesdays I go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. Ben. Monty Python Flying Circus. That's right. Day man, ah, fighter <laughs> of the night man, ah, champion of the sun, ah, you're a master of karate and friendship. For everyone. Ben. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. It sure is. Yeah. Big shout out for that song. Yeah, everyone <laughs> likes that one. It. That's a superhero, right? Uh, Dayman. Dayman. Yes. I like afternoon nap guy. <laughs> Champion of day drinking. <laughs> 
Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out or I pick up the phone. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. Ben. This actually used to be my outgoing message. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was thinking about changing my name, which is really weird because I loved it so much. Seinfeld. That's right. <laughs> you were thinking of changing your name to George Costanza, is that right? Just, just the George part. I just Costanza's too hard to spell. I have enough difficulty as it is. So <laughs> With Ben? Yeah. Just overall. <laughs> so, That's amazing. One, one small change at a time. That's all I really need. Amen, brother. Thank you. <laughs> come on, Jessica. Come on, Tori. Let's go to the mall. You won't be sorry. Put on your jelly bracelets and your cool graffiti coat. At the mall, having fun is what it's all about. Haven't done my homework yet. You know how my parents get. Let's go to the mall today. Ben. If I get this right, I'm going to feel really bad about my life. Um, how I Met Your Mother. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I need a support group now. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I should go outside. <laughs> you should at least put your TV out there for a while. <laughs> okay, this is your last clue. When it's time to change, then it's time to change Don't fight the fact, come along for the ride, don't you see? When it's time to change, you've got to rearrange Who you are and what you're gonna be Ben is shaking his head, he's so ashamed He's mad I... Brady Bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Mom and Dad. I'd just like to say I'm sorry. <laughs> John Chinesky, which contestants should be most ashamed of themselves? <laughs> I'm afraid I've got some bad news for Ben. Sorry, Ben, you won that game handily. Well done. Dominic, thank you so much. Ben, you'll be moving on to our final round at the end of the show. Let's welcome our next two contestants, Georgia Andrews and Monique Sully. Hi. Hi. All right, Georgia, Monique, we're going to break it down. Let's get real for a second. I just want to know, what about life is not fair, Georgia? Ooh. I don't know. I, there's an expression, fair only happens in Iowa in the summer. Ah, nice. Oh, that's, wow. that's really my comment on fairness. Yeah. That's beautiful. Monique? Toe cleavage. <laughs> I have a problem. You have a problem with toe cleavage? I do. Now, some people are attracted to toe cleavage, like, especially. Do you know that? I, I am aware. <laughs> You've been in that situation. I, I the hard way. Right. Yeah. See, life is not fair, is it? Our next game is called That's Not Fair, because history is filled with horrible snubs, cons, cheats, and other assorted injustices. So in this game, we'll be asking you about some of the wretched souls who didn't deserve the hand fate dealt them. 
So ring in when you know the answer. I know it's a bit of a sad game. For example, Elizabeth Maggie felt that private property was unfair. So in 1904, she created a little board game called the Landlord's Game to illustrate how property owners were gouging money from their tenants. Well, guess what? 30 years later, Parker Brothers released a brand new board game that strangely resembled Maggie's game. They paid her eventually $500 for her patent, Ooh. no royalties, yes. and hush-hushed her contributions to what classic board game? Monopoly. Interesting thing to do in a game called "That's Not Fair." <laughs> Georgia rang in, and Monique answered. So That's I don't right. sort of embodied the theme. I can't, I、uh, can't say that I didn't appreciate that on some level. I know it's that terrible story. Poor Elizabeth Maggie had to live on Baltic Avenue in a little tiny plastic greenhouse. She... It's the worst avenue. <laughs> it's the worst avenue of all the avenues. That's the worst one to live on. Despite being one of the most renowned artists of all time, this man sold only one painting during his lifetime. It was called the Red Vineyard, bought for 400 francs in 1890. He would pass away just a few months later at the age of 37. Who was this tortured master? Georgia. Van Gogh. That's right. In what some critics feel was the worst decision in Oscar history, and that is saying something, the film *Goodfellas* did not win the 1990 Academy Award for Best Picture, nor did Martin Scorsese win Best Director. What film and what director won instead? Monique. Dances with Wolves. Kevin Costner. You are correct. Yes. 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 On Valentine's Day, 1876. Two inventors filed patents for the same piece of technology within hours of each other. One of them was Elisha Gray, who did not receive the patent. What famous inventor beat Gray, got the patent, and launched a communications empire? Georgia. Thomas Edison. No, I'm sorry. Monique, do you have a guess? Alexander Graham Bell. You got it. Yes. Unfair. That is unfair, right? Yeah, he also got the primo phone number one.、Yeah. <laughs> This musician has won 20 Grammy awards, and he's still selling out concerts in his 60s. Yet, after four decades of trying, this artist has never had a number one single on the Billboard's Hot 100 chart. His biggest song, 1984's "Dancing in the Dark," only hit number two. Who is this seemingly ageless rocker? Monique. Bruce Springsteen. Exactly.、Oh. Bruce. 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 Boss man. The boss. boss. I know.、Yeah. Successful. It's shocking. Famous. Critically acclaimed. Not a number one hit. He'll just have to deal with that failure. That poor guy. I know. Oh my god. What a、gosh. tough life. Can you imagine how hard it must be to be Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> terrible life. Why does he do it? Why does he、know. do it? In 1971, Portland State University student Carolyn Davidson. Got a gig from her accounting professor, Phil Knight. She was paid just thirty-five dollars to design a logo for Knight's new sportswear company. It's now one of the most iconic logos in the world. What is it, Monique? The swoosh for Nike. The swoosh, the Nike swoosh. That's right. Yeah. I really hope no one got paid to create that word swoosh. 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 
There's a happy ending, actually. There in, is? in 83, Carolyn was given 500 shares of Nike stock as a thank you gift, oh. which is now estimated to be worth over $600,000. It's not enough. Yeah, it's nothing. Everyone's like, who cares? You're going like, to sneeze at $600,000? <laughs> like in Nike money, though, that's like six cents, right? I guess that's true. Yeah. Not fair. Not fair. Not fair. All right, this is your last question. In the late 1960s, a professor at a Catholic women's college in New Orleans fell into depression after his novel was rejected by publisher after publisher. Sadly, he never recovered, and he committed suicide at the age of 31. But thanks to his mother's efforts, his book eventually got published, and he won a posthumous Pulitzer Prize. Who is this author, and what was the title of the very funny book? Georgia. Um, it's Confederacy of Dunces. Yes. And it's um, Kennedy is his last name. I don't know his first name. We're going to give it to Georgia. Georgia was fine. It's John Kennedy Tool, and the Confederacy of Dunces was the uh, That's right. Was the answer, yes. In a very fair game, Monique won. Way to go, Monique. Congratulations, Monique. You'll be moving on to our final round at the end of the show. You know what's not fair? You, at home, getting every question right, and no one can tell what a genius you are. You need to come on our show. Send us an email at askmeanother at npr.org, or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook. We'll send you a quiz to see if you have what it takes to make it to our Ask Me One More final round. If you're just tuning in, you are in the middle of Ask Me Another. And let's say hello to our next two contestants, Marsha Attilio and Amanda Strogoff. Now, this is important information for the quiz we are about to give you. You are both avid readers. I would like to ask you, if you could go on a date with any book character, who would you choose? Marsha. I'd have to go back in time in my own lifespan to do this, but I would probably pick Paul from Sons and Lovers. Oh, nice. Now, do you say you're going back in time because that's you read it a long time ago, or are you like thinking back? Like, are you actually going, well, I'm married now, so back when I was single, because even you don't read cheating. <laughs> you don't cheat read? Is that well, what that's called? Well, my husband is in the audience, oh, yeah. uh, but also I'd, I would need to be younger. You would need to be younger. Oh, I get it. Very good. Amanda? I feel like this is weird, but I very recently read Silver Linings Playbook. I have not seen the movie, uh-huh. but it would be uh, very interesting to date... Uh, Bradley Cooper? I get it. <laughs> I, I play for the other team, Ophira. It's what's-her-name, <laughs> Tiffany? Oh, okay, yeah, also. Jennifer Lawrence? Either way, man, that is a win-win. <laughs> I think anyone with that choice would pick either team. So this game is called Three Characters in Search of an Author. In case you're wondering, yes, of course, that is a reference to Luigi Pirandello's absurdist play Six Characters in Search of an Author. This is NPR. (laughs) In this round, I will give you three character names from different works by the same author, and you will have to tell me what author created all three characters. Puzzle guru John Chinesky, how about an example? If I said Legolas, Tom Bombadil, and Bilbo Baggins, the creator of all these characters would be J.R.R. Tolkien. So ring in as soon as you know the answer. And what's unique in this game is you can ring in as soon as you know the answer. 
You don't have to wait for me to finish. Here we go. Gertrude McFuzz, Horton, Sam I Am, Amanda, Dr. Seuss. Correct. <laughs> Fanny Price, Eleanor Dashwood, Mr. Darcy, Marsha, Jane Austen. Perfect. Are you a fan of the uh, zombie version? I've never read the zombie version because I'm not really a Jane Austen fan. Oh, interesting. <laughs> we'll have to edit that out because we'll get letters. Oh, but, uh, no, sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think Jane Austen wrote the zombie version. No, so. no she didn't. She, you could still Not enjoy so far that. as we know. Hank Morgan, Puddinhead Wilson, Amanda. Mark Twain. Correct. Clam, Yosef K, Gregor Samsa, Marsha, Franz Kafka. That is also correct. <laughs> nice little back and forth going on right here. Frederick Henry, Santiago, Jake Barnes. A stumper. They are thinking... Two of this author's granddaughters, Marielle and Margot, became well-known actresses. Marsha. Ernest Hemingway. You got it. <laughs> Clarissa Dalloway. Mrs. Ramsey. Orlando. Amanda. Virginia Woolf. Well done. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> this is your last question. James Henry Trotter. Charlie Bucket. Mr. Fox. Amanda. Roald Dahl. Correct. Well done. John Chinesky. In search of a winner, it was a close one, but Amanda won. Way to go, Amanda. Thank you so much, Marsha. Amanda, you'll be moving on to our final round. We'll find out from our VIP, Tom Ruprecht, what it takes to write the fake oral histories of J.D. Salinger and George W. Bush. Plus, he'll reveal how he worked his way up from the lowly intern to a big cheese writer for David Letterman. So stick around. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. Welcome back to Ask Me Another, NPR and WNYC's hour of trivia, puzzles, and word games. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and joining me is former late-night writer and author Tom Ruprecht. <laughs> Welcome to Ask Me Another, Tom. Thank you for having me. Were you an avid reader growing up? Uh, I was, but can I just talk about the show for a second? This show? This show. Sure, yeah, you because, can. Because um, uh, during my, my, my Big Shot TV career, I also worked at uh, How I Met Your Mother. Yes. And during that theme song segment, yes. you played a song from How I Met Your Mother. And yes. I, and I thought, all, hey, that's cool. It's the show I worked on, and I was feeling all, all good about myself. And then uh, the guy buzzes in, and he's like, I hate myself for knowing this. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, as if he was watching porn. <laughs> 
I like that you got really personal about it. You're yeah. like, we're going to mention this, we're going to get it settled in my interview. <laughs> but, but this is, you know, like, like he was very proud of having watched Saved by the Bell. Like that, he had yes. no problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it was the quantity of things okay. he knew that was starting I, to... I uh, but, you know, actually, so you wrote a couple books. Yes. Uh, and you were a writer for a television series called, well, Late, no, late, late, late Night. Late Show with David, yeah. But you did not start as a writer, which, is that rare? It was pretty rare. Okay, yeah. so just yeah. so people know, a writer on a late night show, that is a, it's a big deal to get that position. You write packets. I mean, people yeah, slave away yeah, at this Yeah, a lot of people years. slave away... I just more got it out of attrition. I, I started as an intern and just bodies fell away. And finally, they, after enough time, they... Uh, uh, here's the thing. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I liked the Letterman show. And I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm curious how that works. And I heard they had internships, so I did an internship. And I, I you know, liked the vibe there. And I was like, oh, wow, this would be a fun place to work. What I ultimately wanted to do is write. But the writers get fired a lot. And so then I was scared because I had oh. like a normal job there and I was what like... What was your normal job? What, you, uh, what is a normal job, by I, the way? <laughs> I, 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 I interned, then I was the receptionist, then I, uh, uh, I booked the human interest guests and then I did research on celebrities. Uh, but then I started writing humor pieces for like GQ and the New York Times and uh, folks at the show said, well, why don't you write here? And it worked out. Uh, were you ever on camera or involved in any of the sketches? I used to be in a lot of sketches. Oh, yeah? Yes, yes, yes. Any, any uh, one come to mind that... I like failures. Any failures? Okay. Uh, yes. Well, I have nothing but... Fa- uh, all right. There <laughs> was- nothing but failures? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it from As- your resume. <laughs> um, a lot of times on those shows when they do something in the audience, you know, the people in the audience are supposedly just audience members. They're not really audience members. They're plants. You right. Know. Okay. So there was, there was a thing where Dave was going into the audience and he was going to talk to somebody and it was me and it was a whole big prepared comedy bit that was going to come out of it. It was important that I sit in one particular seat because there was going to be some special effect or something. And so the seat that they had mapped out turned out to be between a man and his wife and Dave's about to come out for the monologue, and the guy goes, hey, would you mind just switching seats with me? And I said, oh, actually, I think I'm going to hang on to this one, you know? <laughs> and he's like, well, actually, but that's my wife. I want to sit next to my wife. And I said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, but um, if, if it's all the same to you, I'd like to stay in this seat. And, you know, he's like, well, it's, it's, it's not all the same to me. That's my wife. I want to sit next to her, you know? And, and, and they said, all right, fine, I'll, I'll give you $20. At that point, I decide I'll, I'll pretend I'm an obsessive fan, you know, like go the Mark David Chapman route. And I was like, oh, I love Dave, and, 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 and I love this seat, and, you know, the camera angle. And um, the camera angle. You know, like, it's just so good. You know, he looked, his nose looks so good from this. Um, so I was like, I don't want to give up this seat. And so the lights go down. Dave comes out for the monologue, and, and I'm nervous because I'm about to be in this bit. And Dave starts doing the monologue, and the guy leans over and whispers in my ear, you're an And then you switch gears and decide to write a book. Yes. And now you're on your second book. You like fake oral histories. Do you like oral histories? I do. I like reading oral histories. I find that they're a snap to get through. And so when I started thinking about a book, I thought, oh, maybe an oral history would be fun to write. But then I realized you would have to go and do a lot of reporting and a lot of legwork and talk to people. And then I thought, a "A fake oral history? (laughs) I don't have to leave the apartment for that. I love uh, that you paint yourself as lazy when clearly you were the <laughs> furthest thing from that. 
In your current book, This Would Drive Him Crazy, a phony oral history of J.D. Salinger. That title describes it almost perfectly. Yes. Now, I take it to write this book, a phony history of J.D. Salinger, uh, you would have to be a fan. Yes. Yes. Young age, were you one of these uh, oh, yeah, teenage yeah, yeah, kids? Yeah, yeah. As, as you could probably guess, I was, you know, a pathetic high school kid, you know, a loner, and, and uh, you know, so yeah. Did oh, you carry it with you kind it, of thing, like your Bible? I didn't carry it with me. <laughs> I know, that is Man, I'm not a freak, <laughs> you know, but uh, no, no, but I liked it. Yeah, this is a guy I'm interested in, and very little's known about him. I have an empty canvas to just kind of go nuts with. Well, that's so interesting you say that because that is true. But all of a sudden, your book hits at yes. the same time yes. in the world as they're releasing new works that they found of his. There's like movies out. I know. There's an, uh, some Which, other books coming out. Did you know you were part of this? No. Trend? Yeah. And the only thing I can figure out, I guess that the book just was so big, you know. I mean, we're talking, we're talking Fifty Shades of Grey numbers. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, really... Yeah. It's really big. And so, you know, big fat Harvey Weinstein, I think, you know, is eating his turkey leg, and he sees these numbers, and he's like, oh, my God, Salinger's in the zeitgeist, you know? And so he's, he rushes out this documentary, you know, just trying to piggyback off my success. Right, he, like, gets a bunch of his friends together. He's like, who, do, who here has a J.D. sound? All hands go up. Yeah, and we're yeah, like, yeah. we've had one for years. <laughs> yes, that's right. Did you have to do a lot of research to write a fake oral history? No. <laughs> really? Very little? See, again, there's that word fake, which really helps you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read one biography about him. It was this uh, goofball biography uh, in that... I mean, I mean, the biography was fine, but, but the, the page numbers just danced around, you know? It would be like, you know, you'd be reading, like, page 250, and then the next page would be, like, 378. <laughs> and so... It would just take these wild jumps in Salinger's life because the book was, like, misprinted. It's like Salinger got to it. Exactly. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monkeyed with it. Yes, yes, yes. So I apologize, you know, I, I, to people who read my book. There are chapters of his life that I just, you know, I couldn't deal with because I just, they weren't in the book I was reading. So. <laughs> That's yeah, why you had to yeah, write a fake Franny one. Franny and Zoe, I'm sorry. I just, uh, I missed it. Yeah. Well, Tom, we're going to find out how much you remember from any of the stuff you read or wrote. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, are you up for an Ask Me Another Challenge? Uh, yes. Yes. Yes, you are. Tom Ruprecht, everybody. And for this game, we're going to welcome back Jonathan Colton and John Chinesky. So, Tom, we assumed, perhaps wrongly so, that you had to do some research on George W. Bush and J.D. Salinger to write these fake oral histories, yes. and we wanted to see, you know, just how much you know. Okay. So, in this game, we're going to read you some quotes. Oh, man. <laughs> and you have to identify whether it's a quote from President Bush <laughs> or a line from Catcher in the Rye, which is narrated by its protagonist, Holden Caulfield. Okay. And because in comedy, everything is in threes... We've also thrown in some quotes from David Hasselhoff's 2007 best-selling autobiography, <laughs> Don't Hassle the Hoff. <laughs> so if you get enough right, Mary Elizabeth Hardin from Madison, Wisconsin, is going to win a special Ask Me Another prize. Okay. okay, so the pressure is on. Okay. So you understand the premise? It's George W. Bush. Mm -hmm. Holden Caulfield yeah. or David Hasselhoff? The big three. The big the three. three. <laughs> They're always together. Yeah. Here we go. 
Women kill me. They really do. I don't mean I'm oversexed or anything like that. Although I am quite sexy. Uh, that would be Holden Caulfield. That is correct. Yes. Could be the Hoff. Yes. Oh, he has he a little is, Hoff in he there. He is sexy. Yeah. <laughs> he is sexy. All yeah. three of them. All three of them think they're sexy. So it's yeah. fun. <laughs> Could be any one of them. I had no desire to go to Wall Street. I used to tell friends that Wall Street is the kind of place where they will buy you and sell you, but they don't really give a hoot about you so long as they can make money off you. Uh, I'm going to say Bush. That's right, it's Bush. The guy who then went to Harvard to get his MBA, you know, like like he's all above Wall Street. (laughs) Right, Right. exactly. Uh. Yeah, when was this taken from, this quote? Was that when he was a child? (laughs) We will never know. I borrowed Dad's car, carelessly charged in reverse, and tore the door off. I poured vodka in the fishbowl and killed my little sister Doro's goldfish. But despite it all, my parents still loved me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would, that would be our former president, George W. Bush. <laughs> yeah. It's a little frightening even now, isn't yes. it? Yeah. Yeah. Just a guy you'd want to hang out and have a beer with. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> Back at the hotel, a group of air stewardesses had arrived in the lobby, and this led to an all-night party in my room with what seemed like the entire staff of the airline. I don't remember if anything was consummated. There was a lot of drinking and hugging and laughing, and no one got any sleep. Okay, these are not supposed to be your own quotes, Jonathan. <laughs> oh, that's, I'm reading, I'm okay, reading that. Right. That's, uh, i got to go with the Hoff there, right? It's the Hoff, yes. all right, yeah. I don't much like to see old guys in their pajamas and bathrobes anyway. Their bumpy old chests are always showing. And their legs. Old guys' legs at beaches and places always look so white and unhairy. Now, I mean, that could be Bush talking about Cheney, but I think that's, <laughs> uh, that's Holden Caulfield. That is correct. This one is deceptively simple. Bush. I- <laughs> <laughs> I salute you, sir. That was a fine, fine joke. Well done. (laughs) I went outside and screamed, I am the Knight Rider! I am the Knight Rider! Get it together, man! You're here for a reason! Come on! (laughs) Uh, I am going to say David Hasselhoff. No, I'm sorry, it was George Bush. It was George Bush. No, it was Hasselhoff. That's right. Chinesky, how did our VIP Tom Ruprecht do in that quiz? Ruprecht got a perfect score. He got them all right. Way to go, Tom. Congratulations. You and Mary Elizabeth Harden from Madison, Wisconsin, will receive an official Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. I know. Limited edition. One more round of applause for our VIP Tom Ruprecht. I'm your only friend, I'm not your only friend But I'm a little glowing friend But really, I'm not actually your friend But I am I have a secret to tell From my electrical well It's a simple message And I'm leaving out the whistles and bells So the room must listen to me Filibuster vigilantly 
name is Blue Canary, one not spelled L-I-T-E. My story's infinite, like the Longines Symphony, doesn't rest. Blue Canary and the alibi light switch, who watches over you? Make a little birdhouse in your soul, not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm the only bee in your body, make a little birdhouse in your soul. Colton. Now we're going to crown this week's grand champion. Let's bring back from Here's to You, Mr. Robinson, Anna Chavla. From International Doppelgangers, Kim Roth. From Idiot Jutebox, Ben Kopish. From That's Not Fair, Monique Sully. And from Three Characters in Search of an Author, Amanda Strogoff. I'm going to ask our puzzle guru, John Chinesky, to crown our winner. This final round is called Solving with Ease. In this round, every answer is a word, phrase, or proper noun that contains at least three E's and no other vowels, not even Y. For example, if I gave you the clue, surf, tide, and all are popular brands of this, you'd say detergents. Now, we're playing this spelling bee style, so one wrong answer, and you're out. You'll only have a few seconds to give an answer. Last person standing is our grand winner. Remember, every answer will have at least three E's, could be more, and no other vowels. Here we go. Anna. It's a two-word rhyming phrase for a minor car accident. Fender bender. Fender bender's right. Kim. This magazine is titled after the typical age of its young female readers. 17. That's right. Ben, in the 12 days of Christmas, it's the gift received on the third day. Three seconds. Three swans a swing. I'm wrong. No, I'm sorry, Ben. (laughs) Ben, just stand aside for a second. Monique, in the 12 days of Christmas, it's the gift received on the third day. Three French Hens. Three French Hens is correct. Ben, thank you for joining us. And now just the ladies are on the stage. Amanda, Anne Sullivan taught her how to read and speak. Helen Keller. That's right. Anna, he's the black and white Looney Tunes character who speaks with a French accent. Pepe Le Pew. Oui, 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 toujours. Pepe Le Pew. Kim. She sang Roxy in the movie version of the musical Chicago. All right, shaking her head. Let's see if Monique knows this. Monique, she sang Roxy in the movie version of the musical Chicago. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Not Catherine Zeta-Jones. Let's see if Amanda knows. Amanda? Renee Zellweger. Renee Zellweger is correct. We're going to say goodbye to Monique and goodbye to Kim. It's down to two people, Anna and Amanda. Anna, in the mid-80s, it was the slogan for Wendy's yelled by a cranky old lady. Three seconds. Where's the beef? Where's the beef is right. Amanda, wearing the number two on his pinstripes, he's the longtime shortstop for the New York Yankees. Derek Jeter? Derek Jeter's right. Anna, it's the green liqueur in a grasshopper cocktail. Three words. 
three seconds. Let's see if Amanda knows. Step aside for just one second, Anna. Amanda? Is it creme de menthe? It is creme de menthe, and Amanda takes the game. Way to go. Thank you for playing, Anna. What a great round, Amanda. Congratulations. You are Ask Me Another Big Winner. Tom Ruprecht has agreed not only to give you a copy of his book, This Would Drive Him Crazy, a phony oral history of J.D. Salinger, but you also receive Tom's own copy that he spoke of, that real biography of Salinger that's got all the pages mixed up and stuff. So congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. That is all we have for you today, but you can be a puzzle player anytime, anyplace. Take us with you by downloading our podcast, or you can always find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look around for NPR Ask Me Another. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is John Chinesky. Hey, my name anagrams to Oh Hack Ninjas. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou Jolta Cannon. Our puzzle editor is Art Chung. With additional puzzle writing by Kyle Beakley, Greg D. Costanzo, Sean Kennedy, Greg Lightman, Brock Mahan, and Jamie Matler. Ask Me Another is produced by Jesse Baker, Josh Rogeson, John Asante, and Eleanor Kagan, along with Portia Robertson-Migas and Eric Newsom. We are recorded by Paul Ruest and Ivan Kuriev. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, host of Ask Me Another. Being a movie star sounds fun, but it's not always limos and red carpets. Just ask Steve Gutenberg. Oi vey, Dancing with the Stars. Oi vey. God bless them. I'm telling you, a lot of dancing. Oi. <laughs> the star of Cocoon and Three Men and a Baby, Steve Gutenberg, next time on Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Game on. <laughs>